Wishing you all a super warm welcome to Connecting with Purpose, where we connect with winners and thought leaders from multiple sectors to provide you with a 360 degree view on purpose. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. Our purpose, to inspire you to unlock your potential and optimize your performance and impact. Right, well, uh, welcome everyone to episode nine um, of Connecting with Purpose. Uh, really excited to welcome uh, Jeff Tanner, who's joining us today, who is the Chief Commercial and Marketing Officer at JM Smutger Company. Um, and Jeff's had an amazing career, last 25 years, started as a consultant, um, and he's been in various leadership roles with uh, across strategy sales, innovation, growth, um, that have led to his, his current role. Um, and also a really super um, exciting project we're going to talk about later that um, that Jess re- recently launched. So, Jeff, thank you uh, so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And um, <clears throat> by the way, I just love what you're doing, and we're excited to have you at our national sales meeting um, down in down in February and have you talk to the you know five or six hundred people about it. So, thanks. Yeah, I, well, I really appreciate the opportunity and. Excited to um, to share the stage with you there and try and inspire everyone with a bit of purpose. So uh, that's the that's the objective, isn't it? So really looking forward to that. And um, and I, I guess uh, I've got to get a stick back to my uh, traditional question for number one here, um, which is the, the question we always ask everybody because um, we'll put your bio on the website and and, it, and it's impressive and, and linked to your LinkedIn and everything else. Um, but instead of kind of running through that for everybody, um, I'd love to see um a little bit about your magic moments um and we we talk about those as being kind of benchmark experiences so like if you had to score them at a 10 out of 10 they were pivotal in your development for some way shape or form at that time um or, or, or looking back on them so if you were to think of your career from that perspective um what would what would be three magic moments what was it that made them magic and if you had to give them a name uh, what would you call them yeah, and no, I love the I love the question. Um, so yeah, I would say probably the first one uh, was when I was asked to build um, a team, an innovation team from scratch, literally from scratch. For uh, I was working at Del Monte Foods at the time. Um, you know, this is a very conservative company. Never launched a, a new brand in a hundred years. Just to give you an example. And uh, we were up against Nestle and Mars, a lot bigger companies, and we had this thesis that we probably weren't going to outmuscle them, so we could try to out-innovate them, and, and literally had to build that from scratch. Um, so that was building the team, hiring the team, learning how to do innovation, finding the best partners out there, and um, in over sort of a three or four-year period, uh, we really. Um, we're pretty successful. We launched over half a billion dollars in new products, put our company on the map for innovation, won a bunch of new product awards. And I think what makes it very special is it changed um, the view of the company. It changed the view of ourselves. Um, and, and what really made it magic was that um, it was a build from nothing scenario, which you don't often get to do inside a large organization. Um, a lot of people didn't think we could pull it off, and, and we did it. It was sort of very entrepreneurial inside a large company. Um, and so, you know, specifically to your question, I guess I would call that the underdog because not everyone thought we could do it, and we did it. Awesome. Love it. 
Um, maybe the next one is um, a little more recent. So this would be four, four years ago. Um, I picked up the first half of my current job title. Uh, so my first half of it was to become the CMO of Smucker. Um, we got a bunch of great brands. Not everyone probably knows the stable we have, but Jeff Peanut Butter, Milk Bone Biscuits, Dunkin' Donuts, and we're in some really great categories, but our marketing kind of sucked. Um, it was broken, it was vanilla, it was conservative, it was not working. And um, so I was asked to come in and, and basically blow it up and, and, and redo all of the marketing for our business. We spent about half a billion dollars in marketing and um, did a bunch of stuff, changed internally, brought on a new agency, um, major overhaul of creative. Um, the goal was a blood transfusion of these businesses, and we did that. We pushed the, we pushed the limits. Um, and uh, this has really taken our business to a next level. Um, you know, when we started the transformation, only a third of our business was growing market share, and today it's over two-thirds. And a major driver of that has been the marketing. You know, we just put out an ad recently with uh, Ludacris, and it's this really fun ad about him eating peanut butter and then mumbling on a rap track and it relaunches his career. We had over 6 billion views on TikTok. Um, so it just, it just, you know, to, I call that one, um, thought about that. I call, I call that one fireworks because we just went out there and we lit them and we wanted to be big and bold and part of culture. And that's what we did. Um, a lot of people weren't happy. A lot of the, the TV networks were a little nervous about some of what we put out there, but um, you know, boy did, boy did that move the business. So that'd be the second one. Um, and then much more recently, I picked up the second half of my responsibility, which is the chief commercial officer, um, which is now responsible for the full commercial funnel, marketing and sales and a bunch of stuff in the middle. And um, when I took that, I stepped right into COVID. It was probably six months prior to COVID. And all of a sudden, the job became about making sure that the product's on the shelf. And it's pretty block and tackle at this point. Like, do you have trucks that can take it from one distribution center to another? What are your out of stocks? Right now, if you walk into a grocery store, one in every five product you look for is out of stock. So if you're able to do that slightly better um, than the competition, you can disproportionately win. Um, and again, it's not sexy. It's monitoring trucks, inventory levels, looking at data to try to predict them, you know, um, but it, it's almost the complete opposite of the fireworks of marketing, right? Um, so you know, you're a rugby guy. I kind of call this one up the middle because uh, it's kind of hard yards, right? It's not, it's not sexy. It is hard yards up the middle just to, just to be in stock. But you do that better than anyone else and you win. Love it. Um, well, I appreciate the analogy there. Um, that was definitely the way I played. Um, I'm never skillful enough with the pass or the sidestep. So just kind of had to trek it <laughs> up. No time for sidestepping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me try it, try it over again. Well, um, I'm really interested actually just to dig into them a little bit more because the first two, obviously, um, there's some similarities in that they're about building, improving, transforming, one from scratch, the other 
kind of reinventing essentially, like you said, yeah. the blood transfusion. Um, on those, um, what what was the experience like for you? Is there some common elements from both of those that you kind of you, you get excited about and they're the reason that they were kind of a magic moment for you? What was it about those two ones that appealed to you as a magic moment? I think it's um, because I had a vision for what it could be. Um, and I think as a leader, that's your main job. And once you have that vision, and it doesn't have to be a zip code vision, more of a North Star on what this could be, um, then, then you just set about getting after that, enlisting support, um, getting the support of stakeholders, bringing on talent, et cetera. Um, what, what made those two really magical is the vision, actually, well, first, certainly the first two, um, was pretty audacious. It was, it was very audacious. I mean, yeah. to give you one example on the marketing, when we, we blood transfusion, my vision was that there's no reason why we can't be the best marketing company in North America. And, and let me tell you, like, if there were awards for some of the worst marketing, we would have won it. So uh, this was a pretty big, like, this is like going from division four to the premiership, right? But I didn't see any reason why we couldn't. But to give you one example, I thought some of the best marketing I still do is always come out of Procter & Gamble. Okay? And so I, I literally sent an email to their CMO, they're the largest spend, advertising spender in the world, and said, hey, my name's Jeff, I work at Smucker, can I pick your brain? And he's like, I wasn't even expecting a return. I mean, you know, they're like $75 billion, we're like seven. But right away, he's like, come down. And so I flew down and I'm like, here's my vision. What do you, and you know, we, we talked for a couple of hours and I went back. Like with the vision and a little bit of audacity, and then you reach out for help, you know, people are going to help you. You can get there. I think what's most critical is a vision and then just a, a lot of persistence. And so as a leader, I, yeah, so I 100% agree with the vision. I think you, you always got to start with that. And it's about convening people around and creating energy behind it and building a support team and inspiring everyone to make it happen. And then actually making some progress, obviously. But you, you said... Um, and I can't remember where I picked this up from, but, you know, around unleashing passion and, and capabilities and just agility of your um, of your employees um, and the creativity on the, a part of that journey to get them to start working together towards that vision. Um, what are some ways you've been able to do that to kind of engage the employee base and really bring out the best in them so that they can help together move, move forward to that audacious vision? Yeah, I mean, I think that... Um... I used to work for this a CEO uh, who said that no one gets out of bed every day and wants to be average, <laughs> or very few people do. Um, I think most people get out of bed every day and they want to do something really meaningful. And I think as a leader, it's if you can harness that. Um, and in the case of, you know, in the examples, all three actually that I talked through, it is about saying we can be the best in the world or we can be the very, like, it's possible. And I think when people start believing in that, um, they will go to extraordinary lengths uh, 
to get it there. If you can, if you can make sure that it's you're putting the resources in front of them. Um, I, I think people do extraordinary things when they're reaching, right? When they're reaching, um, and I, I find that to be like that's a little bit of my go-to. Like, yeah. And 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 I and what I found is that um, obviously you need to be balanced, right? But it's very inspiring when if someone comes to you and says, "We're going to be the very best here, the absolute best." Yeah, and 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 obviously, as you said, it starts with belief. So yeah. it's, it's share, sharing it in a way that inspires people to the extent that they're like, "Yeah, actually, I, we can do that." Um, yeah. And then, as you, as long as you can keep people on track with that and support them, and they can support each other, they're going to. As long as you've got the right people, obviously in the right roles, they're going to go above and beyond to try to get there. Yeah, and I think it's tenacity. I know we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but. Um, you know, a year, just a different example, a year and a bit ago, I just said, I want to launch a charity and I would like it to be a nationwide charity. I've never done anything like that in my life. Um, but I didn't start by saying, oh, I want to, you know, help this little group. You know, it was like, I want to do something big and meaningful and I have belief that I can pull it off and I have tenacity. And I'm going to get anyone and everyone who can help me, and we're going to get after it. I just feel like that is there's so much energy that that creates. Um, and, yeah. And that, well, let's let's dig into it now. There's no there's no specific order. We've got to go through this stuff in. So um, you're talking about Opening Track, um, which is a nonprofit organization that you've um, that you founded, um, and it and it's really impressive because I remember talking to you. Um, when you first, uh, <laughs> when it's yeah. all good, we'll take a time out. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Hi there. Say hi, Mark. Hello. All right. I, I just got to do this. So. Sorry. Mum's on the Peloton. So. Yeah, that's good. That looks really good. Bye. Say bye. Bye. <laughs> all good. Well, yeah. You're, you're you're further ahead than I am because look, that's my office door. So you can imagine how that. Yeah, goes. you're doing well. You got a I, newborn now, a little more. He's, uh, he's two. He's asleep um, oh. on on the couch next door. So it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know, it used to be. I used to um, live in fear of interruptions, and now I actually think they're like people love them. So I'm like almost one. Sometimes when a meeting's gone not so well, I want to push a button and be like, "Come in." <laughs> <laughs> exactly just like just give a little just bit life, of you know refresher for everybody um yeah. okay so let, let's go let's go back into so yeah. so um yeah so you're talking about opening track um and and it it's amazing it's amazing really because i remember it wasn't even that many months ago that we were talking about it and you literally just sort of uh come up with a concept sort of just taking it from concept to reality um but 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 in that short period of time you've, you've already reached over eight and a half thousand kids across 39 boys and girls clubs in northeast ohio and that's what's on the website and i don't know even it may be even more by now i don't know um but it's all about the power of music so um you're talking about tenacity you're talking about doing something big and meaningful getting people convened behind it so Tell us a little bit about opening track. Like, what's the vision for that, and um, and how are you getting people to, to to get involved with that as well? Yeah, um, I mean, we're still in the early stages, but yeah, about oh, 
a year, it was sort of early COVID um, that I, I kind of felt that um, I started asking myself some questions around what's leadership and thinking that um, it must be more than just leading inside a company, um, that, that I have an obligation um, to do that. Uh, and and it's, so, it's so needed. And I think you see a lot of companies doing, you know, doing good, um, you know, CSR initiatives. But my provocation to myself at the time was, shouldn't I be doing something as an individual? It might be connected to the company, but if individual leaders don't start also taking this on, as opposed to just letting it be led by the company and sort of either actively or passively supporting, I just feel like I'm not sure we're going to make the progress we need. And so this was just some thinking I was I was doing early COVID. It was you know around the George Floyd time, and a lot of a lot of people were. Um, and I came across a statistic, which is where we live, which is Northeast Ohio, ranks number one in the United States for child poverty, and it is it's absolutely a shocking and really saddening statistic. So you know I love kids and. Um, I, I just sort of say, well, what could I do as an individual to, to help? Um, I'm also, I love music. I mean, I came across to the American and played rugby and, you know, to me, but I, I, my first love is music. And I was like, well, how could I use that passion to help kids? And that led to me doing a lot of research into the power of music. And it's very beneficial. There's so many, it's not learning an instrument. It helps with so many different things cognitive skills, confidence, et cetera. And so I just had this idea about a year ago of this program that we could deliver um, to kids as music and arts kids get stripped out of schools, could we supplement that? And then I got, I got very fortunate. I was asked to join the board of the Boys and Girls Club here, and which is an absolute perfect partner to deliver that from. And I'm like, whoa, you know, we have access to the kids here. It's clearly needed. Okay, so how do I do this in a way that's meaningful and impactful and big? And, and so I'm like, well, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is here. The Cleveland Symphony is ranked number 10 in the world, top 10. We've got an incredible theater. So I just started calling the CEOs of these organizations and saying, I have this vision. Would, would you be willing to provide content? Um, and experiences and they were like we would love to we just don't have the kids so I was sort of connecting them with the kids um, and then I went to work Smucker where I work and I said I need a I need an investment grant from Smucker to get this off the ground they very very supportive um, then we started building out the program we hired um, team to deliver the program which is getting delivered in the boys and girls clubs it's music to help deal with stress and music programs to help with creativity and in every club for an hour a day these kids are getting this experience um, and then and then I sort of once that has, is up and running um, it, it's sort of looking back and say how do I build this out and how do I keep it going and what's the one thing these, the, the, this, this project needs for me? And that's uh, fundraising. And so I, I formed a band. Um, we've been on, doing a lot of media. 
to try to raise awareness and ultimately financial support for this so we can continue to roll it out. But when I started out on the journey, you know, it was, it was as I look back, it was a bit audacious to say, all right, I'm going to form this charity and we're just, you know, I'm going to roll it out and we're going to uh, impact all these kids in a really positive way. And I'm going to form a band. I'm going to do a, write these songs and I'm going to find a record producer. But I guess the vision was audacious and, and I just sort of kept reaching out and, and asking for help. And it was amazing how many people wanted to help. I mean, it's, it's like, I'm like, I'm still stunned. And I guess I shouldn't be. I think sometimes people perhaps don't know what to do. And here was a program, but you know, and that journey that I, that was sort of about a year from having the idea to it now being executed. Hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. And um, yeah, as you know, I come, I come from that exact kind of um, background, used rugby, which is yeah. one of my passions, kids similarly to yourself as a vehicle for the same exact things, um, at social emotional learning in particular, um, various different outcomes. But um, so I personally know um, how impressive it is to, to be able to serve that many kids on a daily basis across that many sites, have the power of a really strong partner that has the infrastructure, the staff, the facilities. Um, but as you always are in that space, you're the broker of connecting, yeah. like you said, in your instance, it's connecting content and experiences to the kids. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's one of the one of the amazing parts of it. So we'll we'll get we'll dig into that a little bit more in a minute, but I just want to go back to the idea. Um, if you can kind of um, unpack a little bit what process you were going through at the time. It's a bit of self-reflection, it was in COVID. Um, and so you you know you're doing some reading, some reflection, and it was about you know what being a leader meant. So what what were some of the kind of things, questions that you're asking yourself um, that enabled you then to kind of have this sort of aha moment of like, ah, here's this great idea. What, yeah. was, what sort of led to that? Um, I think it was, uh, this is probably a few parts. One was understanding my own privilege, um, which I think is starting to more broadly understand in society. Um, that 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 that's sort of an interesting self uh, a journey of you know you have to go on sometimes it's quite difficult um, but to understand the privilege that I got just because my parents sent me to get piano lessons right I mean it was already like streets ahead right so thinking a lot about that um, thinking a lot as I mentioned about leadership. And what is leadership? Because as, as we mentioned, typically leadership, at least in my sphere, has been defined as leadership inside a company. And, and as I started to question that, found, found it very quickly, was, was like, that's not enough. Like, that, like, all that will do is perpetuate current state. Um, and then the... The other component, and you mentioned it, because I, I think if you're not passionate about something, I just worry that like the longevity will be there. You won't put the reps in, right? Um, I'm really passionate about music and the, and the benefits that it can bring, and I love it, and I, it's something that's part of my life every day. Going into a recording studio with kids to record some of their songs is like a joy for me. 
right? And I, I don't think that's selfish. I just think it's, if I didn't find it joyful, I'm not sure that I'll be doing it in five years time. I'm just being honest. So it was sort of thinking through all of that and trying to figure out how I could focus all of this on, on something that, that would truly be impactful, that was pushing me into a new space of leadership, but it was one that I could confidently say, because the last thing you want to do is set up a program like this and then abandon it 12, 12 months later. I mean, you're better off having not done it at all. It's really unfair. And so you better have this belief that you can be in it for the long run. Yeah, 100%. And uh, no, I, I, we, are we going to talk about it a little bit later in terms of the how passion in our definition contributes to purpose but it's the power of passion the power of doing things you enjoy which not always but often the things that you happen to be good at as well um but even just doing stuff that you enjoy on a regular basis um is what gives you the continued motivation combined especially with i'm enjoying it and it's moving towards this vision and i happen to also be good at it and that energy is what helps kind of bring other people people along to the ride. Um, so I think it's just often overlooked as a nice, oh, well, yeah, of course it would be lovely if everyone had passion. Actually, fundamentally, people need to be able to experience that on a day-to-day basis in order to be at their best and not get burnt out. I, I agree. It's funny you said burned out. <laughs> um, so I read something. So a little book, Peter Drucker, it's a bunch of quotes, and in art, small articles, sorry. And one of them was like, what's your second act? Mm-hmm. And the idea of a second act really intrigues me yeah. um, because Peter Drucker had said that people get into their first part of their careers and it goes great. And then it used to be that people left their jobs because they were just physically exhausted and now they leave because they're bored. And, and he said that, um, he had predicted that there'd be this surge of people coming uh, sort of retirement into other uh, passion projects or and it didn't happen. And so what he's saying, what he says in there is you better start thinking about your second act during your first act. And I, that, that really um, struck a chord with me because I, yeah, it, it, I think there's sometimes this misnomer that you work, 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 and then you retire. But as I thought more about that, I started thinking a lot more around this idea that success can fuel significance. And they're not mutually exclusive. One doesn't have to end before another begins. The two can really be very sort of synergistic, right? And so I've really tried to lean in on that. Um, And actually, I've come to think it through more and more that the more successful I am in my day job, the more successful I'll be in this example with opening track. And so something that had at once seemed sort of different in different worlds has now for me come together. And I, I actually even taken it one step further and thinking that perhaps the more successful opening track is, is this going to keep me happier in my day job for longer, right? So it's just this, this is all kind of new, newish thinking with me, but it, 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 I, it's certainly heading in that direction. Yeah, and I, I mean, I love the, the Peter Drucker quote, um, and that's actually a big part of a big part of what we do, actually, because purpose is obviously is really foundational. If you've gone through the hard work of 
discovering it and ensuring it's truly authentic to to who you are and the impact that you want to have and that it isn't involves some of the, this passion and bring it to life that actually once you start to use that as a lens through which you look at the different areas of your life and everything's based upon that it doesn't have to be these different competing no. segments you can find it in all of the segments yeah. um and that's the that's kind of the beauty of it whether it's yeah. 25 year old wanting to make the most of the next 10 years or whether it's a 45 year old starting to think about well hang on what's the next half look like because i've just been slogging away it's <laughs> funny you say 45 because in the peter drucker article i don't know if you've read it maybe you have it says you better have a bit of a sense by the time you turn 45 <laughs> that's the age you picked and i was 40 i'm 47 now i think i was 46 when i read it that the um one just to, as an example of what you're talking about so i have um dragged my kids with me on this opening track project okay just as an example of how it's not compartmentalized and they've um, come to the recording studio my daughter has developed this she started writing songs uh they're meeting kids from the boys and girls club that they wouldn't normally they wouldn't normally see. and and so this this idea that you can merge and bring together different parts of your life it's certainly for me playing through um and you know and even another i mean you the fact that you're coming down to a national sales meeting to talk about purpose is fusing it back into the to the work right so like i just think you know the, the more holistic we can make this i just think generally that the more successful the more productive and the happier we're going to be yeah for sure and um i think it is uh, the first connecting with purpose episode we did um with with kevin roberts who's like just brilliant on purpose right yeah. um, I, I called him one of the godfathers of purpose but um he's just like happy happy bunnies are uh, productive bunnies or you know basically yeah. just saying look if you want more happy bunnies in work they're gonna do better it's yeah. just it's yeah. simple it's so simple it's actually not easy to do but yeah. actually the approach in terms of uh, the concepts is, is very simple. Um, now, I'm interested in some synergies, um, and you've talked about this a little bit, between, if you like, stakeholder engagement in this massive commercial ecosystem that you have um, at Jonas Mutger versus stakeholder engagement with this relatively small but mighty and soon to be really big and impactful um, opening track project um, and you talk about the power of one at, um, in the commercial in your commercial role but what have been some of the things that you've maybe seen as overlaps um, as best practices that have been able to just get people to buy in like you said ask for help and people have been here yeah, absolutely how does it compare in the commercial sector to the non-profit sector in your experience in both um yeah, I mean, definitely the more people you talk about what you're trying, the more you share your opportunity or your vision, just the better off you're going to be. Like I gave you the example of Mark Pritchard, the Proctor CMO. Um, it was the same on opening track. Um, I also think an, another parallel is knowing, you know, what you're, what you're good at and knowing when you need to bring in other, other folks. I am like people will joke about it. I am not an in the details kind of a guy all the time. Um, and so very quickly realized for opening track, 
that we needed to bring on a director and a team who have worked in the clubs, they understand the kids, they know how to deliver that. That's when, you know, you do need to know when you're a limit, you know, uh, and, and then trust the experts. And I, it's, it's the same way at, at the JMS Micro Company. I've got some people in place that it's their job to make sure it, it operates and wire it up day to day um, and making sure that that happens. Um, and particularly in a space that um, is very new. I mean, to think that I could design exactly how this program and opening track would be delivered in an environment where frankly hadn't set foot in, you know, up until recently would be very naive. So, so there's a parallel. Um, I also think another parallel is celebrating the wins uh, early and often. As with anything you start up, you know, it's it's gonna stumble. It, it just just by nothing gets off the ground without challenges, and um, just celebrating those wins is 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 absolutely critical. Um, and then maybe lastly, shining a light on the the people that are really making it happen um, is. Is, is has the benefits twofold, I think. One is obviously it's helpful motivation for them. But when other people see you do that, they, they start to understand like, okay, so this is what really matters. So, um, you know, I always think that a big part of my job is to shine the light on the people that are making it happen. Um, and it just it sends a signal like this is, this is what's really important and valued. So those would be some parallels. Yeah, and I think um, that last one in particular <clears throat> um, combined a little bit with this, with the, the, the previous, so the celebrating the wins and then shining a light on the people that are making a really positive contribution, making an impact, making a difference. Um, regardless of what sector you're in, regardless of what your organisational team is, um, are, are pretty critical. And the, the current research has come out, and it's just all pretty recent stuff from McKinsey, but actually the I think now the second biggest reason people are leaving their roles in in work is because they feel their contribution isn't valued yeah. um, now so if you were to celebrate the small wins that people were doing and to shine a light on the yeah. success and thank them for impact and they could see how it fit and contributed to that big vision again it's simple but it's not done and and a lot of the work we do with companies it's amazing how many times just the request for feedback comes up yeah. can you and not just feedback tied to results, but feedback tied to contribution and to impact and and and, and how people interact with the team and so on and so forth. So, um, so I appreciate you sharing those and um, clearly, clearly there's some some good synergies there. Um, so it, it, as we sort of fast forward a little bit, um, thinking about impact, um, and this is a big part of what you were sort of reflecting on as a leader. We look at impact on this sort of me we world level because it helps people just understand impact doesn't have to be about global warming it can be on the world level if you like um but there's a piece to how you're going to positively impact yourself and what that looks like in 10 years time what you'd be really proud of having achieved for yourself um on the people you surround yourself with the we and then and then on the world level um when you when you start thinking about that from a an executive from a senior leader in a business perspective um, I guess two questions. One, what would be your guess um, in a typical 
as a percentage of, of senior business leaders that are very successful in their own right, that maybe have a good handle on the impact that they'd like to deliver. And then the second part to that question is, you know, um, feel like a lens like that actually is a, is a helpful way for leaders to be addressing this and that it actually can be a game changer for them and for their businesses. Yeah, it's a really interesting question. Um, like it's hard to put a number on it, but I would say less than 10%. One of the things that's always shocked me is when I see people retire or, or I've seen a lot of people who've made a lot of money selling a business or whatever, and I ask them what they're going to do next, and they don't have an answer. And, I, and I've always found that to be really surprising, um, you know, because they're really smart people, and they've done, they've had these tremendous careers, and you'd say, what are you going to do next? And they're like, oh, I don't know. And then I think it's, it's unfortunate and sad that many of them just go and play golf. And, and, I, and I, you know, I know that's kind of harsh, but I just think the world, they, they have the opportunity to do so much good in the world and they haven't thought about it. And I always found it kind of shocking. You know, some of the greatest business minds are strategic and, and they haven't thought about it. And, you know, I, I, so I, I've always thought that was really odd, which is why I would suggest that to answer your question directly, I think it's less than 10%. Um, and I think a lot of people, when you, when you probe a bit, they think the answer is writing checks. And, and, and that's not the answer, it's a part of the answer, but it's, it's sad, I think. Um, so I, I, I think that that's why I think you're onto something here. Um, that, because, because, because part of it is difficult, right? I mean, this is not easy what, what you are working through with people. I know the work you've done with one of my sales leads, like it's hard stuff, right? Um, you don't just read a book and just, there's the answer. You have to grind through it. So I think it's hard, but um, and that's why that's why the numbers are really low. But this is what the world needs. This is what individuals need. This we all need this. And and so I I, I love what you're doing because I, I think it's come come about at the absolute right time. Yeah. Well, no, I appreciate that. I, I, and I think. It is. It, it all starts with a question, right? It just, yeah. it just starts with asking yourself the question and doing a bit of reflection on it, and deep, and and spending the time on it because it is it is hard. Um, but the reward that comes off the back of it, just think of the yeah. energy that this is this has yeah. given you. Um, you know, as you said, across different areas of your life, um, from doing that reflection. Um, and look, hopefully, this is some of the some of the good stuff that comes out of uh, of COVID. Um, that yeah. people are reflecting more. So as long as they're being intentional about that and what they want to do about it going forward, then that's that. that By the way, on that, on that point, I remember early on in COVID, um, and if you ask my wife, she'll tell me I'm a little bit too intentional at times, but I remember when COVID happened and it became clear it wasn't a three-week thing. It was likely to be, a, not, you know, not this long. But I remember, I literally remember telling her, I do not want to look back on COVID and say, boy, did I miss an opportunity to rethink some things about my life or what I'm doing. Um, I'm like, this, this has been a terrible tragedy. It's also been a gift. And I just, I, I remember saying to her early on, like, I don't want to squander that. Um, what'd you do during COVID? I watched Netflix. Good on you. 
right? That was like not what I wanted to happen. Um, so it was very intentional. Yeah. No, and I, and that's and that comes back to the vision, right? It's just being intentional on the vision, being yeah. intentional on the impact that you want to have on those on those three levels, and and getting other people energized around it. Um, and so that kind of nicely tees up our, our last um, question. We always start and end with the same two questions, which is this is the purpose fuse formula. So just simplifying purpose into passion plus application plus impact. Um, so if you have a if you have a purpose statement, you're welcome to share that. Um, the, the question specifically though would be to unpack it and say um, in one word or one sentence, what what is it you're passionate about? Um, in one word or one sentence, how have you been able to apply that? Um, and in one word or one sentence, so yeah. what? So what's the impact? <laughs> That's good. Um, so Jer as part of, I think I mentioned, as part of the opening track, getting driving awareness, I formed a band and um, put out an album. Uh, really proud of it. And there's two songs on there. We made music videos and driving donations and you know, but there's two because I thought about the question. There's there's two songs in there, and there's a line from each song that captured for me. Um, the first line is, we can change the world if we change one life. That's a line from the song. And that's the whole idea behind opening track. If you can change one person's life for the good, and we all do that, we can actually have a massive impact. Um, obviously, you know, I want to do more than one life, but it's just that mindset. Like if you could just change one person's life for real, it could have a huge impact if you do that at scale. And then there's another song in there, um, where the line is, um, you can be a wildflower when everyone's a rose, which is one of my favorite lyrics that we wrote. And it's this idea that don't be afraid to be different, to be you, to try some stuff, to fail. And I've tried to teach, since writing that song and explaining it to my kids who are six and eight, so they're kind of young, but they, sometimes we'll say that, right? Um, and so it, those two lines from the songs, for me, it's like, what are we trying to do? Change one life? And then we're trying to tell people like, you can be a wildflower and everyone's a rose. Like, go do your thing. Um, don't be afraid. Don't just and and so that, that that that's kind of how I think about it, sort of in music. But that's how I think about it. I love it. Um, yeah, and look, I, I think the, the the relevance of the last one, um, the wildflower versus the rose, especially when you're in a youth development role yeah. it's all about growth mindset and that yeah. basically summarizes it the way you unpack that summarizes it which is don't be afraid to be yourself do things differently um you know stand out and, and fail because you can learn from that and and it comes back to that belief that you're talking about at the beginning yeah. um 100%. believing in the vision believing the difference so i love it i love the simplicity of that and the unique uniqueness of the answer that's a wild a wild um a wildfire answer right there good good <laughs> nice i like it yeah <laughs> Love it. Well, um, Jeff, look, thanks again so much for your time. Um, I really, I really appreciate this. I, I just saw the clock and it's been ticking away really quickly. So 
Um, so I shall let you get back to your other responsibilities. But um, if um, people want to find more information out about opening track, we'll obviously put that into the um, into the bio. What about yeah. your band? Um, what, what's your band's name and where can uh, it's, called the, uh, it's called the Opening Track Collective. We have a we have a, a band website, opening openingtrackcollective.com. And you can see music videos and the whole story. Uh, awesome. Thank you. All right. Well we shall link we shall link to those. So uh, Jeff, really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Good good seeing you. Cheers.